my parents this weekend and that was really nice um we just had like a few hours in Dubuque Josh went with me and we went just all over the place and just kind of had a random day got lunch went walking around went to an apple orchard got yelled at for walking in the orchard and bought some wine and walked around some more took photos of leaves in one of the parks there and my mom and I swung on the swings, which was like way fun. I haven't done that in ages. Then I went running today after work and I feel good. I don't know if it's the endorphins or just my cup is full, but yeah, I feel really, really good today. It's a really, just sounds absolutely lovely. That makes me really happy. And I forget sometimes how important quote-unquote child's play is and just you talking about swinging on swings like I love the silliness of that and what a fun moment to have with your mom too yes how are you Mackenzie (laughs) um well in case the front end of this episode doesn't get put in I just spent a good 10 minutes complaining to Catherine very ambiguously about my life um for no particular reason besides just kind of having a, a little angry elf hear about me. <laughs> I did have a really good weekend. I think that's part of it is it's way harder to snap back into structure again after having time away. And so it was Midwest Doodle Fest in Waverly, Iowa this weekend, uh, which is exactly as silly as it sounds. So my family has miniature golden doodles and my mom is obsessed with them they deserve to be obsessed about they're very very cute terribly trained um and (laughs) my mom is a facebook mom so she posts on facebook a ton she's in a ton of facebook groups and her niche as of the last couple years has been doodle groups so you could go shopping with your doodles downtown if you wanted to like check out the shops that sort of thing but then there was kayaking puppy paddle and so we went kayaking with our dogs and people have the opportunity then to you know do the activity kind of like more one-on-one-ish have their space, be in nature, that sort of thing. And the dog park is obviously seven acres, seven plus acres of being outdoors and space and that sort of thing. So just really fun, wholesome activities to be a part of. And I know my mom was really, really excited about how it all turned out. So that was really, really fun. (laughs) Talking about checking in. So I'm so glad that we have a space to talk and chat and connect in real time but Catherine and I otherwise don't talk on the phone don't FaceTime don't any of those things we text and then I just found out that Catherine actually has a stalker and the stalker is me because (laughs) (laughs) I pitched to her last night (laughs) I was like okay we didn't like find an article for this week's check-in or don't have like a premise that we've discussed 
I'm going to look into this and I'll give you some ideas. And then a few minutes later, I was like, I, I need a break after telling her I was going to look at doing articles. So I went on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) and I found a tweet I thought she'd like, so I sent it to her and then I went, Oh, we tweet DM all the time. We could just go through what we already think is interesting and fun and that we've shared with each other. I did pull out a couple that I thought were some more significant ones that we did have conversations around on Twitter DMs that I thought that I'd want to hear what our listeners think about them. And I thought maybe if they don't have, if our listeners don't have their own Mackenzie Kilman to send them such things that they would, this is me, this is my love letter to our listeners <laughs> sharing what was my love letter to Catherine. <laughs> yes. Well, the first one on your list is yeah. Ellen's message. So Ellen DeGeneres, there was a lot going on over the summer. There were things that were leaked about her poor um, workplace culture um, and some semi slash just straight up abusive things that maybe she had said, um, just hostile things happening. Um, and so she addressed it in the first episode of her season this fall. Um, and Mackenzie sent me that opener in three adjectives. How would you describe it, Mackenzie? It was informal. It was semi-humorous or at least trying to convey that tone, the Ellen tone in general. And frankly, I thought it was pretty hubris of her to try to address it in this manner. I was trying to decide if it was really well done or really poorly done. And I'm in the camp of actually poorly done. I've kind of processed it a little bit more. I got what they were trying to go for. I got that they were trying to address this in a way that was very Ellen Show-esque and a part of her brand and her tone and the way she does things. But I do think that ultimately it just made too light of what was on the table to be addressed and acknowledged. So it, what would you say, Catherine? What are your three adjectives? Uh-huh. Um, well, my first sentence in our conversation was, I would echo a lot of what you said. And I agree that with that um, still. Uh, whatever the opposite of heartfelt is, mm. I would use that maybe disingenuous. Um, lackluster and that it fell short of what I wanted her to do. I wanted her to share more about what she was doing to actually combat this hostility in her workplace. Take real ownership of it. She did, but then she made a joke and then it was like, and then she was like, my face is there and there, or my name is there and there and there and there. And it's like, what does that matter? Um, I think it was also very privileged. I think if it was 
I think as her position as a white woman, she used it very expertly in the way that if it was a man, we would have been all over his butt about it. And if it was a person of color, they'd probably super criticize the media. But because it was Ellen, she just got to kind of play the, I didn't know what was happening. It's not my responsibility, really. Hard. That was really interesting. I hadn't, I was so honing in on, is this a reflection of her brand and what does her leadership mean? And I, I was only considering it in correlation to her. I so tethered into who she was that, yeah, I didn't consider what it would have felt like coming from any other source as I was giving an analysis of it. So yeah, I don't think that would have played well for really anybody else. I'm reading How to Be an Anti-Racist right now with the book club, so. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain is there. <laughs> well, it's funny because, yeah, like, I, I think I've, when we talked about, like, Reese Witherspoon and, like, typically I'm plugged into that, but no, I was just, Ellen has such an interesting way where she did cultivate, overcame significant barriers throughout her career and what that looks like that she in addition to being a white woman and already having those protections on that I think it's interesting that in other ways she also was a kind of protected class in her brand too just like well she was disenfranchised and now she does so much good and I mean she does talk about it she's the kind lady Mm -hmm. and she does address that I just wish she had addressed it in a way that I felt like was significant. Overall, I felt like this was a brush off. Yeah. The other really significant thing that we've recently DM'd about was how the hashtag for Proud Boys has changed just recently, just over the weekend. And it has made me really, really happy um, in the first debate of the presidential election for 2020, there was a moment where President Trump was, I mean, did we even really know when he was supposed to be talking, when he wasn't supposed to be talking at this point? So I don't remember if it was in response to something or if it was something he was saying in throwing Joe Biden off or what exactly. Um, it, the, the moderator, like, called it out. Chris Wallace called out, like, you know, people say something, like, you support white supremacy, are you willing to hear it now? Denounce white supremacy. And the answer to that was not a clear denial or even a muddled denial, really. And um, he's called for the Proud Boys to stand by Stand down and stand by. Yeah. And the Proud Boys is referring to a hate group or hate groups that are in the U.S. So um, then 
to social media, individuals within that would describe themselves as Proud Boys or wanted to now describe themselves as Proud Boys posted on social media and had some hashtag about wow there's merch that you can buy that's about stand down but stand by sort of thing um and so in an effort to combat these calls to actions or getting real close to being a call to action uh (laughs) I don't I don't know what the origin story who came up with it no idea absolutely a a real good Samaritan <laughs> Just members of the LGBT community. Actors, artists, and the Canadian Armed Forces are among those who have shared supportive pictures. A good, an interesting example of how social media can change with ideology and really the common person, kind of a representation of democracy at work in some ways, where it really took some individual civic action and the power of sharing stories and what sharing stories does differently than sharing just a face value. Um, They're all really sweet stories. They're like, they talk a little, each one typically says like a little something about them and their partner and the journey they've been on and things they've overcome or just what they love to do. And it's just, Love is love is love is love. And then just as I was going through, again, this very, very, every day I send Catherine more than one, almost every day. Uh, (laughs) And there's a person that I started following a little bit more recently. She writes for um, a late night show. Um, And I don't know if she must have just came across my feed and then I was like, I need to make sure I see more from her. But I felt like she really summed up (laughs) my thoughts on Twitter. Like, this is what I use Twitter to do. And she said, any chance I can know what's going on without having to know what's going on? And on Twitter, it's like everything's pretty humorously done. Like, it's it's sometimes just like a, a prism reflecting the real world sort of thing. And so sometimes it's a way like of knowing what's going on without knowing what's going on. And then it's funny because then I'll read something and I'll be like, okay, that seems like it's probably responding to something in particular, but I don't know what it's responding to. And I can't super easily find out through like the top replies. So I'll just find out later on. And then I do later on, <laughs> or I don't sometimes, but <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's a great summary of Twitter. It's like, you can't like social media, like it's not a news source. You can't trust it for everything. And also like, is that really the role? Like it's hard cause it is the role it's being used for. So you want everything on there to be truthful, but um, it is funny to hear like the lack of gatekeeping is part of the point and kind of like, you know, hearing people's narratives and there's, you know, there's sub tweets of whatever's going on. So I just thought it was really funny because I'm like, this is literally why I'm on the platform. It's like, this is how I know what's going on without knowing what's going on sometimes. Oh, yes. I responded to you and said, haha, that's a mood for the past seven months. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not on Twitter that much anymore. Like, I probably go on when you message me for like five minutes and then I'm like, my newsfeed sucks. TikTok is like my happy place. Twitter used to be, but 
very much like a, I get on to know what's going on and then I get off. So this newsletter that Mackenzie um, pressured me into signing up for and I it's love it now. <laughs> it's called Lift Iowa. And this article is Women in the Workplace 2020, subheader, A Crisis is Looming in Corporate America. And the first line of this is, the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted corporate America in ways we've never seen before. In fact, no one is experiencing business as usual. But women, especially mothers, senior level women, and black women, have faced distinct challenges, according to the newest Women in the Workplace report by Lean In and McKinsey and Co. In fact, one in four women are considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce because of COVID-19. So the, there's a whole report I would suggest everyone goes to look at it. No, I haven't read through all of it yet. We got the highlights and it's interesting. Um, this is the biggest time that women have left the workforce in as big of numbers as they are. Um, and I, I went ahead and highlighted a line that really jumped out at me when I was reading it this morning. And I had thought I need to text Katie and I didn't, but I was too busy DMing her tweets. But <laughs> um, <laughs> the main conclusion of this year's report is clear. The COVID-19 pandemic could erase all gains made by women. Meaning, period. Period. <laughs> period meaning we're not going to be filling leadership positions like the traction we've gained in gaining privilege and status and leadership and all of those things that we could regress um because women will be leaving their positions and then will not be replaced by other women and it's just so easy to see, like, so many people have lost their jobs, millions and millions of people have filed for unemployment. And so if, <clears throat> if as is typical, unfortunately, a man is able to make more money than a woman, and they can't afford childcare, even with, like, another salary, doesn't make sense for the man to go to work, whoever might be the bigger breadwinner. <laughs> and we didn't get to a point where m men and women are equals in the workplace. What other thoughts did you have, Mackenzie, while reading this? Well, I, I will say that it's been interesting to have this newsletter is amazing, and I really, really appreciate about their focus on sensitive material and sensitive to like very specifically bringing stats forward that highlight demographics that deserve to be highlighted and not washed in with broad generalizations about trends. Um, and so this newsletter is by the business record, um, the Des Moines business record. And they've had another COVID series that has been like a very candid kind of journal like entries that are really, really brief kind of blog uh, where they've really been like, I don't know, like five paragraphs long and it's been people's interactions during COVID, like 
a person's account, basically. It's, it's a quick summary. It's not multiple posts or updates or anything like that. It's just like, here was my experience, is my current experience with COVID. And so it'd be like, my favorite one, my favorite one. I can't remember who it was, which I don't think she'll mind if I, I don't remember to give her credit right here and right now, because these are really just like lay people, everyday people who get to be a part of this huge, huge collection. Like, I think they have hundreds of stories that they publish. Um, <laughs> and, uh, hers was really funny. She, and she didn't write it to be funny. I, I don't think she was trying to be humorous about it, but, um, she, her husband thought he had COVID and I don't, he, I think he did actually have COVID. So he's staying in the basement and they have at least two kids that she's caring for. So she's doing her job. She's caring for the kids. And then she has to care for him too. And she was like, <laughs> this is my favorite part of it. And she's like, yeah, like normally I'm doing 70 per 80% of the housekeeping. I can't remember what the set was now. I think she said 80%. Normally I'm already doing 80% of the housework and childbearing and things like that. Uh, child rearing. But now he's gone, so now I have to do the 100%, and that really sucks. And I was like, what a queen to say that you do 80% at home, like that you work a full-time job and you're doing eight or 60 or 70 or – it was higher. It was – 60, I was like, okay, you know, like you're – that's a very, like, modest way of saying probably more than that. I think it was, like, 70 or 80. It was enough that I was like – yes drag him like yes. be honest like I think you're being very genuine about this and she wasn't complaining or anything she was just like the fact of the matter is I do 80% and now I'm doing 100% and that really sucks and <laughs> yeah so anyways so I think I think of her story a lot when I read stats about during COVID and like the pressures at home Reading, watching, and listening to. <laughs> Katie, you go first. Okay. Well, what I am watching, the last season of Shits Creek, did you watch? No, I'm on season three, so I am oh, not shit. there yet. I am not yeah. there. Well, now you can just zip right Ew, through. Katie. I can't do it high enough. Ew, Katie. I, you do Alexis really well. I'm actually David. I, that's what I figured out is my personality is David. I'm really mad about it. Okay. Are you Alexis? I think I'm like a combination of Alexis and Stevie. Okay. Like I like to like not be in situations like Stevie and like be like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> or this is a car crash that's happening right here. Wow. This has turned out better than I expected. But I also think that I am the dramatic, ridiculous, sometimes Alexis. What's Roland's wife, wife's name? Jocelyn. I sometimes feel Jocelyn. Like, where I'm <laughs> really nice. She's just so nice. She just doesn't let things get to her sometimes. And she just, and I always think she knows more than she's like, I mean, she does most, you know, especially past that first season. And you're like, Jocelyn, you're just a peacekeeper and I respect you. Or a good Twyla. 
Twyla's out of, out of touch Twyla. What I'm reading, I need to be farther along with it. I am reading the second book in the Mad Adam trilogy by Margaret Atwood. It's called Year of the Flood. And this first book I was reading in a book club with students. And we literally had one week left, like one week, a few chapters left when we had to all disperse to be quarantined. Yeah. And in those last few chapters, I read it and then shot a quick text to my group because we find out that the world, um, humanity basically ended in a bioengineered disease. Oh. So that was a lot. I was like, um, don't read this if you're feeling really shitty about the situation because now I'm panicking. So. God. Um, so took seven months and back on the train here. It's pretty good. Um, a few of my coworkers and I are reading through the Margaret Atwood books, kind of unintentionally. And then what I was listening to, which Mackenzie knows, is The Defining Decade by, I believe, Meg Jay. And this was her Because Katie listens to audiobooks. I feel like that should be clarified. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's yes, kind yes. of reading, only not really. <laughs> right, right, right. I have a long drive, so. Yes, uh, it was so good. I went on walks just to listen to it and examined a lot of my relationship. <laughs> and How far like, are you in it? Because I'm like, done. So that's an upcoming episode. I just, I, I want to engage with you on this right now in this very moment, but there's just too much to it. So I'm sorry that you went through an entire quarter life crisis and I didn't even know that you were going to do this so quickly. Oh my I didn't God. Either. I didn't either. And I, it was, I love introspective things. So. This was very, like, being in your almost mid-20s and cringing as I'm saying that. Um, and thinking through all these things. There were a lot of affirmations, but a lot, also a lot of things. I'm like, maybe I should think about that more. <laughs> so, but we can talk about it later because I do have some things that I, like, started thinking about and implementing and conversations Josh and I have been having. So it is worth a chat. All right, Mackenzie, what are you reading, watching, and listening to? Okay, so reading. I am reading Don't Worry, It Gets Worse. Have we <laughs> talked about this? I, don't I can think never so, but... remember what I've said previously, and it's hard because I, 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 I need to become more of a close, closer because I've been reading this book for like six months but I'm finally getting really close I read a little bit of it that's the worst part of it honestly is that I my habit my daily habit is I have to read at least one sentence and I'm pretty good about doing that but it's not a thick book the text is not very small like if I could read a sentence a day for six months I can't believe I can't get this finished <laughs> like I typically read like at least a page but anyways um so it is a woman who had a blog who went to school for I think like English and like wants to like comedy wants to do comedy sort of thing I like it it's been kind of it's been a 
she's very authentic as she goes through it. And I think it's really interesting to have somebody be so open about like drinking and like she's describing her and her friends trying to have uh like a dinner party but they like barely have like proper like they don't have proper like somewhere and plates even and like they buy really cheap vodka that's just absolutely terrible and try to make these mixies that aren't as terrible but they are terrible and it's just funny like the things that she's like attempting to be a whole human and it really made me feel better about what this phase of life is and like um I'm very empathetic for the things that I didn't like I'm like oh I, like I'm actually fine in that like I I don't identify with that particular experience but it's like I get the essence of what you're experiencing and that's good too <laughs> what I'm watching is I've been trying to do the last season of 13 Reasons Why. Um, and it's been real heavy. And I loved, loved, loved the other seasons. And this one has just been over the edge, sad and hard and depressing. And I'm like halfway through it. And I know I, I got some spoilers thrown at me. So I know some things that are going to happen. And I'm mad because at the point in which I got the spoiler given to me, I was like, oh, like I can already tell how I'm going to feel. Like I know how I feel about that character. And then that character has been a terrible, like not great, like not endearing this entire time. And so I'm like, oh, I won't feel that way. And that's almost more disappointing. Like if you're going to do it, at least do it where it's going to hurt me in the worst <laughs> slash best way. Don't do it in a way in which I don't feel like this is representative of this last three seasons. Now this is going to happen. And then reading, watching, listening to, um, I just started Hillary Clinton's new podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. Our I was only. unaware. <gasps> I was unaware too. It came up as an ad potentially is that how I got but it's called you and me both with Hillary Clinton oh Jesus Christ <laughs> Hillary Clinton sits down for candid in-depth and sometimes hilarious conversations with people she finds fascinating with help from her guests Hillary will tackle the topics that shape our lives from faith to the pressing political issues of our time to cooking tips for the cooking cooking challenged there was a woman who was interviewed on my favorite podcast, um, Armchair Expert. And then I went over and I listened to her podcast and she is a really kick-ass pastor. Her name is Nadia. Nadia Boltz-Weber. How do you know this? Have you listened to her podcast? No. I heard about Nadia Boltz-Weber a long time ago. Um, and I actually, I listened to the armchair expert podcast, the episode that she was in, Did you I like think it? loved it. I saw her when I was out living in Denver, interning there for Warburg West. Okay. I went to her church that she preached at house for all saints and sinners. You went to her actual oh. church and heard a real sermon. I went to her it's church, heard a real sermon, heard Nadia refer to, um, God as she and they and he and everything 
It was beautiful, and it was her last um, sermon that she was giving at the church. Like, that was her last day. And so there was, like, a, a big, like, potluck and stuff. We didn't stay because we weren't part of that community. But, um, yeah, I'm so grateful that I was able to see her in person at least once. Oh, my gosh. I am so pleased. I did not know that you were going to have any personal – but I was – I thought you would really, really enjoy her. And that's why I was going to suggest to you confessional, which is her – um, interviewing different people that she's interacted with. I think some of them are part of her faith community and others are maybe other types of acquaintances, but are very receptive to her faith, that sort of thing. And they kind of just recount the worst thing that has ever happened to them, that they're like the most shameful about that is like the most traumatic thing in their lifetime. And they walk like, kind of like, cleansing of your sins like it's a confessional of this this act that they participated in and then at the very end of the podcast she does a little blessing so it seems like she records that separately and she like really like recounts their conversation and thinks it through and then she connects it sometimes with the bible or just sometimes with some well actually always with the bible it seems like or greater thoughts that are very religious in tone but very healing is like these people who it's essentially she does a really good job of explaining faith and answering some of the really hard questions during Dax's pod during the podcast where she is being interviewed by Dex Shepard on on Expert. Um and so it was just really interesting to hear her perspective on that. And then now like hear her conversations in live time as she's giving guidance to somebody through her faith. Um, and I mean, they're really hard conversations. Like one was a journalist who um, was reporting on undocumented undoc- immigration and giving like a very personal documentary story to it. And they forgot to blur out a license plate and then that family got retaliated against and deported and went through the process and it was a family who was trying to reunite children with a mother who was already in the United States and it was a direct result of overlooking that in the editing and so I mean, just like all the shame and guilt you can imagine in this world that is not unfamiliar to anybody, but then you're like, if you're ever just curious, like, how can somebody, like, learn to move on with their lives? Like, this is so, such an interesting way to, and and they're quick episodes. That's the craziest part is it's like 20, 30 minute episodes where they go through all of this and Nadia is very compassionate. And like, these people are, you know, in theory, kind of on the other side of acceptance for this, like still definitely feeling a lot of the feelings associated with the guilt they carry, et cetera. But, you know, kind of have, I don't want to call a silver lining, but looking forward and not behind so much anymore. And, and then she does the blessing at the end and you just like, you realize you're, you weren't like holding your breath, but you were holding your breath a little bit the whole time. 
I'll say the Mackenzie line. It's been a pleasure, Mackenzie. It really has been a pleasure. <laughs> it has been a pleasure, yes. Okay, <laughs> I will talk to you next week, and it's my topic. Ha-ha! <laughs> See you next week. I cannot wait.